Brother David, you sitting too far back tonight. We can't. Are we good? Brother David always shakes my hands before we get started. And I don't know if it's more of a confidence thing or a, well, you're going to do it anyway, then. <laughs> he usually leaves singing, and when he gets done, I'll wait, and, and uh, he'll come over and shake my hand There's a couple of times, and he's He's missed that, and I wouldn't start until I went over and shook his hand. And so for the four or five years I've been over there, that's what we do, and uh, makes it feel makes it feel right, I guess. But uh, I don't know. He just uh, appreciate the prayers that we have, and he always says bless you, and it makes me know that at least one person is praying for me. And uh, we need God's help tonight. If we were to stand for a few moments, that uh, we're nothing but a mouthpiece for God, and there's nothing that is any good in us. And uh, I told, uh, I forgot who I told back there, maybe in Dre or somebody, that y'all picked the bottom of the bucket for your Thanksgiving uh, service tonight. And and uh, I like to, my church knows I like to cut up a lot and, and everything else, but when it's serious, it's time to be serious uh, with things. And uh, now it's time to be serious. And uh, appreciate the church, like I said, for having us and and if you're going to read along for a few moments, we're going to be reading out the book of Nehemiah. And actually, the Lord had given us this, this, this thought before He gave us one for this morning. And uh, this has been on us for about a week and studied it and, uh, uh, in and out and uh, some and, and studied for it some more last night. And, and uh, so we took a nap earlier, meant to study a little bit more than I did, but I kept study some after woke up and and the thought that we have... Uh, uh, goes right along with uh, Nehemiah and what all he had to endure and go through and the burden he had from the Lord and, and what he'd seen. And we all know that the world ain't the same place as it used to be growing up. It says I'm uh, 40, 41 now and, and uh, when I first started going to church that we know uh, things are a lot different than they used to be. And I ain't talking just about the churches, I'm talking about the whole world in general. And I remember when me and Jamie were, uh, at first got uh, married and whatnot, and it was probably uh, a couple, four or five years after we had Deacon and, and uh, something like that, we actually talked about whether to have a child or not because of the way the world was. And it's gotten that much worse since then. And if you lost, I'd ask you to pay attention for a few moments is, is uh, how bad things and have gotten, how rapidly things are changing. Scriptures are being fulfilled daily with all things that are going on. And, and I can't predict the end of time, and I'm not here to try to do that. I'm here just to be a mouthpiece for God and, and what He has for us to do tonight. And, but we know that Satan is having a field day today, and he walks around... And the scripture says, devouring all who he can, and even him and God had a conversation about Job. We all know that story uh, very well, and how he considered him, and it said he was going to and fro and here and from, and devouring all that he can. Scriptures also tell us he has a devouring line, and he goes out and devours all he can, and 
and all these things and that he does. We all know that uh, here today, and, and he's just as real as God is this morning. Satan is very knowledgeable in the Scriptures. It tells us that uh, the devils believe and tremble also. So they know what's coming. They know that their day is coming of what's going to happen to them, that they'll be in torment forevermore, that they will be down there and not be able to get out or escape or anything else. And I got to thinking about that and all that that was going on with that and, and how great a responsibility the church has today. And how easy it is for us to be distracted on different situations and how easy it is for us to get off course sometimes. It is for me anyways. And in the book of Nehemiah, I'll give you a little history of this. Is I won't go back. We're going to read out of 6, but I won't go back and, and show you in the first chapter. There, the very first of it, what was said there. And it said the word of Nehemiah, the son of Hetchelah, and it came to pass in the month of Shil, that in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan, the, the palace, that Hanai, one of the brethren, came, he and a certain man of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the providence are in the great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass when he heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. It said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thy ear now be attentive. And thy eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, day and night, for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee, both I and my father's house have sinned. We're going to stop there. Nehemiah was questioning what was the remnant was like, was wondering what had happened. And what, how everything was going. Nehemiah was the cupbearer for the king there. And, and if you'll read on, it goes on. And the cupbearer asked uh, uh, Nehemiah what was wrong with him, what was bothering him, and, and uh, what was uh, hindering. And Nehemiah finally opens up and tells him uh, about his people and the things that had happened and asked the king if he'd beat him the oath. But the part that I want to bring out was the concern that Nehemiah had in the first place that he went. First place that he went after that was to God. Prayed to Him for forgiveness of the sins and had a burden for them. Had a burden for them people and the wall to be built back up and for the safety of them. He wanted to see them prosper once again. He wanted to see them to rise again as God's people. 
Not only for them, but I believe it was for the honor and the glory of God. Is what he wanted. And it burdened him so much there that he took and went to the king and said, Bid me to go. And if he, when I go, give me the letters that when I come across certain people, that I can hand them the letters and say, I have your blessing to go. You see, there, he knew that there was going to be trials and tribulations along the way. He knew he was going to come to some that would try to forbear him from building the wall back. He knew that there was some that didn't like him being a Jew. He knew that. But he had favor in the king's eyes. He had his blessing to go. got his letters. And he set off to go. So he went. And started back on the wall. He set some at certain spots all along it. He had certain groups of people build this part and that part. And for time's sakes, we're not going to get into all of that. But he set them up in different places that they would build it. That way it would come up faster. And they had a job to do in God's eyes. And they were to do that job. And Nehemiah stood guard against them with all the opposition that was coming. They were still ones that threatened to attack them. See, Nehemiah went by night and looked what was left of it. Because he knew that there would be ones there that didn't want it built back up. He knew what was going to happen. He knew that opposition would come like we said before. But he knew what needed to be done. He knew there was a great need for this to happen. So they go on, they start building a wall. Like I said, certain groups are sitting in different places. And it got to the point of rumors of wars that were coming. And it got to the point that they got to be afraid. And God reminds him, says, Remember, I'm with you. I'll be there. You just keep on keeping on. I'll take care of the rest. Well, they started going back to building and it gets to a point in the Scriptures where it says that they would build with one hand and keep their weapon in the other. They wasn't going to stop. There was no time to stop. They had a job to do. They had to close that place in. And Nehemiah knew that. The workers knew that. If you go over and read the New Testament, it talks about in the 35th verse of the 4th chapter of John, it says, Say not ye that there are four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. There is a great need 
this morning to stay on the wall. There's a great need as they did to be ready to go to work. See, they kept a weapon in one hand and they kept building in the other. The Scriptures tell me that we are to put on the whole armor of God. And it said one of the most ones was by the faith that it might shield you from the darts of the devil. That is our job this morning as a church. When I said that we had a great responsibility this morning, we have a great responsibility to make sure that this way is not lost. That we continue on, that there is no place to stop, there is no place to rest, there is no place to, uh, to halt for a little while and pick up later. And then mind you that. They came to him in the sixth chapter. And they asked him, he said, Now it came to pass when Sabbath and Tobiah and Jeshem and Abram and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left therein. He got put up in a record time. I believe it was 52 days. Maybe 56. I'd go back and look. I'm have to look that up. But he got put up in a record time. And they said, and they knew that there was no other way in. And he said, this is what we'll do. And it'll breach therein, though at that time I had not set up the doors upon the gates. And Symbolic and Gisham sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. And I sent messengers unto them, saying, I am doing a great work, so that I, that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease, whilst I leave it, and come down to you? Yet they sent unto me four times after this sort. And I answered them after the same manner. The wall was up, but he knew that still the door still had to go up to the place. There's still a work to do. There wasn't time to stop. Nehemiah knew that if I stop work, if I stop working on this, that the Lord has led me to do and has graciously provided all the things that were needed, that people who have trusted in the Lord, that the people that have believed in God have came and helped build this up, and brought the walls back up, and there were still gates to leave. Nehemiah knew, he said, if I leave this place, the work will cease, and the people will stop. He knew that. See, that's what Satan tries to do today. He tries to take a few of them, and gets us to stop and cease their work. See, one thing that took me a while to understand when I was coming back to church, it took me a while to completely comprehend things. When I done things wrong, when I would stop serving God like I should, when I would stop coming and doing my work for the church like I should, it didn't only affect me, it affected the whole church. It affects everybody. When my work ceases, there's other people's at work that ceases too. See, God 
puts a load on us. See, if you go back and you read, like I said, we're not going to do that. For time's sake, they were separated in groups. The people to build a wall, certain parts of it, part at the pool, part at the eastern gate, part at the other side. What does the Scripture say? It says God places people in the church as He sees fit, don't He? That He sees fit. That's what He wants done today. He puts you in them spots in the church that your work will not cease. He puts that load and that burden upon you for you to take care of. For you to handle. Not by yourself. But with His help. See what Nehemiah do and the rest of them. They seen the fight coming, didn't they? They got worried. They got afraid for a little while. And what God tells them, listen, Remember, I am with you. I'm going to be there. You just keep on keeping on. That's what he told them. Just keep on keeping on. Keep moving forward. There's no place to stop. There's not time to stop. You just keep going on. Because if you stop, guess what? Everybody else is going to stop. Something else for the devil to use. To throw up. To put a halt. The things that are going on. The good that God has got planned for everybody. Satan's trying to put a stop to it. And that's what's going on here. Obstacle after obstacle. It was said this morning uh, uh, from uh, a church uh, that uh, Sister Holly, I believe, said that the devil seemed like she was, he was hitting her from every which direction. And the man stood up and said, if the devil's working on you that hard or that great, then you're probably doing what you're supposed to be doing. You ever thought about that? That's the way it's going. You're probably doing what you're supposed to be doing. If he ain't bothering you today, you might want to do some reconsideration of some things. What's going on in our lives today? I've been on both sides of the fence. I ain't going to sit there and lie to you. Just because I'm up here, and I've told them before, all the reason this place right here is built higher so you can hear me better. That's it. I'm nothing but a mouthpiece for God. I'm not made to worship. I'm not made to be lifted up. I'm not made for nothing but to serve Him, and that's it. And I fell on that daily. Daily. I've had hours of prayer and conversation with God, asking Him to forgive me of things that I've done. Because I knew if I stayed in that shape, the work would cease. Everything that I did and stood behind this pulpit, either here or at New Hope, wouldn't accomplish nothing because God wouldn't be in it. Nehemiah knew that God had to be in the midst of all of that for anything to be accomplished. He knew work couldn't cease. He knew they had to keep going on. There was no place to stop. Now think about it, church. Compare it to today. Compare it to today. Is there a place to stop today? Is there time to rest? What did Christ say when He was walking? He said, the birds of the air and all of them have a place to rest. And I know I'm paraphrasing. He said, but the Son of God does not. Son of Man does not. He didn't have a place to stop. 
He didn't have a place to stop. He knew the gospel had to go out to a lost and dying world. He knew that his ultimate fate was to be hanged between the heavens and the earth. That the blood would be poured from his body and he would be beaten for our sakes this morning. He knew that. He knew that he didn't have time to slow down. And he went up to the Mount of Olives to pray for a little while. And he came back. What did he find when he came back? They were asleep, wasn't they? They can't you stay awake just for a little while. He knew the great need that there is. Sometimes we need to stop and reflect and think of the great need that there actually is today. God will bless us for doing those things. Should we do it to receive blessings? No, we should do it because of the change of heart that was made inside of us when He saved our souls. We should have that desire to do that. It should be implanted in our that it should come naturally. Because the love that God has differs from any love that you'll ever receive from anyone else. And if we truly stay close with God, that love can't stay in there. It has to come out. That's when it overflows the cup and comes out the saucer. Down on the saucer. That's when that happens. When we truly stay that close, we don't want to stop, do we? The song in the garden. He said he don't want to leave, don't he? Y'all remember Lafayette? Y'all remember Elvis? is one of my favorite ones to sing that song. I believe he was a saved man. I truly believe that because I've got happy hearing him sing it. I believe he knew what he was singing about. We get that close to God, we don't want to stop then, do we? We want to keep going. There ain't a tear in the world when we're that close to God. Nothing else will bother us when we walk with God that close. That's what the world needs to see today. They need to see that this church that what we believe in, what we practice in, what we come in on Sundays and worship, uh, uh, what we worship and what we stand for and what we talk about and what we feel and the outward showing that we can't explain of the love that God has shed abroad in our hearts, that's what they need to see. There's no time to stop. If we cease the work that is planted inside our hearts, that the job and the commission that he gave for us to go out to a lost and dying world to spread the gospel, if we stop somewhere, it affects somebody else. There's no time to stop. I believe Nehemiah thought within himself, he said, if I were to leave, if I were to leave and build this wall, they, they were just trying to drag him out because they wanted to, they wanted to come to war with them or whatnot, and try to distract them. That's what they try to do to us. That's what the world's trying to do to us. They're trying to get us to be quiet and stop what we're doing for some unknown reason. I don't know. If we ever had a little taste of what we got, then maybe go another way with it. But it here or there. And they mind you. That if he stopped, that the others would stop. 
Ask yourself the same question. If you stop, who else is going to stop? If I stop building a wall, if I stop telling my testimony, if I stop spreading the gospel, who's it going to affect? Who's it going to affect? We don't know. We don't have a clue. We may never know if we stop who it may affect. I promise you this. If we are led to do something by God, by through His Spirit, that He has left to us, and He has implanted in your heart to let you know, and that little knot comes and says, go do this or go do that, down tell your testimony or nothing or something. And that little knock is there. And you quench it. And you think you got by the service without it. And you sit there and say, well, I got out of that. didn't have to do that. I've been there. I did that over there. I went through two or three services before I come up here. I did that. And that knock comes there. So well, I got by with that, and I ain't got to do none of that. There's a day of judgment coming. You're going to have to stand before an almighty God and say, you remember that time I told you to do this? You remember that? You want to stand before God and answer for that. It's going to come back to haunt you. It's going to come back to haunt you. There's no place to stop. It's done for a reason. We got to understand that. We got to understand that God's thoughts are higher than ours, His ways are better than ours, and He knows what He's doing. Worry people today that want to see an immediate outcome of things. We want to see an immediate outcome. We want to be able to, when God knocks upon our heart and we stand up, we testify, and nobody else makes a sound. Sometimes we get disheartened. Well, I ain't doing that again. It's not for us to know what that to come out. What could to come out of that? That ain't it. It's not for us to know. God does. God knows what He's doing this morning. God always knows what's right and what's wrong. And if God has led you to do something, I promise you, it's not wrong. It's not. We're more out to sit there and follow the way of Satan than we are of God sometimes. We are. But God is not a respecter of persons. God is not going to take and shape it and form it and make it look all pretty like and, and hand it to you and say, do this. That's what Satan does. God sends us to help people. Some of them that need to be reshaped for God to reshape them. You know, look back and talk about the clay. They can't even mold them back. You go back to the valley of bones. Can I make not make these bones walk again? That's what God uses us for. For His honor and glory. That is what He's trying to do. Go back and read about the valley of bones there. That's a good one. Go back and read about it. Do you not think he can deal with this nation today? That's what he was referring to. But them people 
had walked away from God. And he said, I can make them bones walk again, talk again, and breathe again. God could turn this nation plumb back around if He wanted to. You know it? He could. There might be some of y'all back there who said, you still to be quiet and don't bring, I'm not bringing politics into this, but I know what I see. I know what I feel. And I know I don't want no place like this for my children. If we ain't careful, the churches won't be here for our children. There's no place to stop. We have to keep building and building. I'm not about talking about physical building. I'm talking about a spiritual one. I'm talking about one seeking and running to the altar, keep preaching God's Word, keep testifying, keep inviting people to come to church, leading people towards the foot of the cross through God's Spirit. I ain't saying pick them up by the head of the hair and drag them in here. Or some I would have liked to have done that too sometimes. I'm talking about with God's help. Just like when God told Nehemiah, say, keep going, I'm with you. Why do you think He told us to put the whole armor of God on? Why do you think He told us? He said, I'm always with you. Why do you say, lay all your burdens and cast your burdens and your yoke upon me and I'll give you rest. He knew. He knew that it was too hard for us to do by ourselves. He knew that He has to intervene to help us along the way with them things if we continue on what we're supposed to be doing and keep building the wall. He knew that. The old saying that He won't put more on you than you can bear is a lie. Flat out lie. Because we can't bear it. But with His help, He takes some of that off of us and we can bear even more you know that? He expects us to come to Him and to lay it all at His feet at the foot of the cross and say, Lord, I need Your help. He got too much for Nehemiah. And he went to God. And God told him, said, just keep going. I got you. Keep going. It's okay. You're doing what I want you to do. You're doing my work. Satan's going to throw everything he can at you to try to get you to stop. All these people don't believe the way that you do. It's going to try to get you to stop. And the world is going to try to interfere and get you to stop. Don't matter. You stand your ground. You keep the Word of God in one hand. You keep building in this hand. That's what we got to do, church. That's where we got to keep going. It's forward. Scripture says, No man who's put his hand to the plow and looketh back is worthy of the kingdom of God. What happens if you look back and you get behind the old mule and you got your plow on the ground there and you're plowing straight through there? You got to keep them straight, don't you? If you look back, what's going to happen? You're going to be plowing over here somewhere else, aren't you? That's what's going to happen. If we ever take our eyes off God, if we ever take our eyes off God and try to make our own decision within a spiritual sense of our own selves, we're going to make a mistake. Human nature. That's what we do. We make mistakes. We're sinful beings. Inherited through Adam. Until we are. But with God's helps, great things can be accomplished. 
Many souls can be saved. The world could be turned in a totally different direction. If God wanted to right now, He could snap His fingers or just speak it. And speak it saying, I want it back to where everybody's just worshiping me again. And that's what would happen. That's what would happen. Oh, I got the kids. You have kids, you see different things now. Three boys, and they watch the Avenger movies all the time. And Lord gives me thoughts of a different thing. I enjoy being my boy and watching movies. And there was one with this great big purple guy in it. And they're all trying to fight him. He gets these stones that goes on his hands. And he's tired of the meanness and everything else that's going on in the world. And he wants to reset everything. And then once he gets all these stones, he snaps his fingers and half the population goes away. And they're supposed to start over. That away. With no respect of person, nothing like that. They just randomly picked 50% of the population and they all went away. And I got to thinking about that and thinking about some scriptures on that and I know no man can do that or anything else, and that's just a movie. But if God wanted to, He could take all the hate out of the world by doing just that. Take it all out. But He chooses to leave it here. And He chooses to use us. And we should count that as a blessing. To use us to try to make it better. To draw lost people to the foot of the cross. This is the thing sometimes we need to stop and look back at. Is when He sent His Son to die upon the cross, when He took all them beatings and the lashing and the whips that had bone spurs and different things in it, and ripped His flesh from His body, and He hung upon the cross and the blood came down off of it. He wasn't just to save the ones who are sitting inside this church house right now. It was to save each and every one who ever took a breath of life here on this side of the curse. From the worst person who we think is the worst person that's ever walked in the face of this earth to who we thought maybe was the best person. It was to save each and every one because he loved them all the same. He did. Now you see we have a job to do. It says hell enlarges itself daily. I told him once before, so I think about that. One time, as it enlarges itself daily, is a is a balloon. When you're blowing it up, the more you stuff in the balloon, the wider it gets. There's no room for anything else but what's in there. It just keeps stretching herself out. That ain't what God intended at all. Not at all. We got a job to do. No place to stop. And if we leave it. We're going to affect a lot of people. That's just the truth of the matter. We're going to affect a lot of people. I know this is Thanksgiving service. Maybe a little different. I'm thankful for what I feel in my heart tonight. I'm thankful that God found fit for me to find my way back to church. That it was still here. And I was ready to come back. I don't know if I told everybody this. I know a lot of known that I wasn't brought up in church or anything else. 
But I always told mom and dad, you know, ask them. I always told mom and dad, this is probably when I was 13, 14. I got saved when I was little and didn't completely understand it. But I got because, like I said earlier, sometimes it needs to be explained. But I didn't get took to church that much. I know I wasn't scared to die and go to, going to hell no more. When I was 13 or 14, I told myself, when I get my driver's license, I'm going to church. And I said that through the whole time until I was 16 years old. You know, the first Sunday I had my driver's license where I went, I went to church. There should be a drawing there to do that. And I thought, at the time, it was in myself. That it was just in my head. That it was just something that I wanted to do. But it's not. It's a drawing from God. We all ought to have that. Have that desire. To see one saved. To come to the house of God. And to serve Him. Greatest paymaster there ever will be. It's Him. We can never pay Him back for what He's done. But there's no time to stop. None. I'm thankful for the ones who led on to this way. When you look out behind you, Hope, there, there's a graveyard back there, and you look back there for the ones who led on to that way that the church doors are still open. To look at times past in the civil wars and the different wars that went on and the droughts and the depressions and all of that, the door should have been easily closed. And we don't have time for that. And we got easier ways to get to church now. We got air conditioning and heat. I love going to Case Coves and seeing how they had it there. Y'all know that. The buggy trails and all of that, and they rode horse and buggy. Because that desire burned within their heart to get to church in the snow or in the rain. There wasn't air conditioner or a heater turn on the car or wipe the blaze to wipe the rain off. And when they come into the church house, they hit a thermometer and it was 70 degrees inside there. All of that didn't happen. It was the burning that was inside their heart because they knew that if they didn't hang on to building that wall or building that church, that it would die. The same thing applies today. If we don't hang on and keep on, it'll die out. And I'll end with this. God said when He comes back, His church will be here. My church has heard me say this a hundred times. They didn't promise it would be right here. He said it would be somewhere when He came back. But He didn't promise here. Wouldn't you like for Him to come back and say, well done, good and faithful servant? That's what I want to hear. I want to hear my kids say they're saved. That's what the ones that done gone on and laying in the ground. We kept these church doors open. And we all get to heaven. They look and see that their great, great, great grandchildren have been saved and they're in heaven there. And if you do, if you kind of take it out of the equation and think about a physical sense, it was worth it all. It was worth it all. And it is. It's worth everything we ever had to go through. To stay on the wall, stay on the church, keep building it. I don't care what the rest of the world says. They don't bother me. I argue stuff with it sometimes. 
but they can say what they want to about how I believe, but I know what I feel. I know what I feel right now. And if you're here and you're lost, you can feel it too. But you want to make a time and a place somewhere. See, this place right here, they kept building on it. The church door would be open. You might have a place to hear the gospel be saved. You might have that. Great work to be done. Let's have the song. Something anybody needs to do or anything else? Let's do that. Appreciate being here. Appreciate the church for having us.